Luke chapter 19, beginning with the first verse. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on the account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small of stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give thanks for your word. We ask that you would take your word and do a work in our lives. We ask, O Lord, that your word would transform us into the image of your Son, Jesus the Christ. We give thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my palms were quite sweaty and my heart was starting to beat even faster. And then you begin to grit your teeth a little bit. And then you begin to just kind of throw your fists in the air, punching at the air, thinking you're accomplishing something. And then you begin to pace a little bit. I had to be to work in seven minutes about, and I was locked out of the house. And you begin to pace in the backyard, looking at every window. Did I possibly leave something open somewhere? And you're just scrambling in your mind, what do I do? What do I do? No cell phone. No way into the house, need to be to work, and the clock is ticking. And you get in that mode of desperation. In that mode of desperation, everything begins to filter through your mind, like all of a sudden, what are you doing? I'm blaming my roommate. Why doesn't he leave the back door open? Or why isn't my roommate home right now? And all of a sudden, you start thinking through different ideas. Maybe I should just break a basement window. Maybe that's easier. And then all of a sudden, I'm thinking, i got to get into the house. So it's the only reasonable thing to do, right? Is to break the back door. And so I start to push on the back door, thinking I just push this thing open after a while. Keep pushing, 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 not making much progress yet, right? And things are getting even more tense. So what do I do? I need to get a hammer or something from the garage to give me access through the back door. So I start to go get the hammer, start to try and maybe get the door open a little bit. Ah, a car in the driveway. Who's in the driveway? My roommate is in the driveway. And he comes to the back. What are you doing? Oh, nothing, nothing. Are you going inside? Oh, so am I. You saved the day. You've all probably been in a situation like that, right? Where there's something going on, the heart rate is racing, you're getting sweaty in the palms, you got just a bundle of things going through your mind, and you're just nervous. You know that feeling, right? Where you're just constantly nervous and can't get restful at all. Who likes to live in that constant state? No one wants to live in that constant state. Actually, what we do every morning is we wake up and we make decisions that we think are not going to put us in that state. Because all of us want to be in a state of safety or a state of rest. There's no better picture than a state of rest than a baby sleeping. I mean, doesn't everybody want to be in this position? And, and to produce this kind of position, what do you do? Everything's got to just be perfect, right? 
the stomach is full, the blankets are in the right position, you're in the right room. It's just the state of safety. The state of safety allows you to rest like that. How many of us would like to be in this state for our lives? That's right. That's the most response we've ever gotten. (laughs) This is the state of security, the state of safety. And this morning's non-negotiable is that we live and die in a state of safety through salvation in Christ alone. That you and I today can only be in a state of safety when we are saved through Christ alone. We see that today in our verses from Luke chapter 19, the famous story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus comes and experiences salvation. If I asked today for a raise of hands and I said, how many think that they're saved today? I'm assuming that the majority would raise their hands and say that, yes, I am saved. I have salvation. The question for us today is this. Do we know what salvation is? Do we know what it means to be saved? Or is that just kind of a nice little word we throw around? And a lot of times it's a word that gets used in more what we call charismatic or, or more... Um, free churches than us. They're constantly trying to encourage, are you saved? I was once lost, but now I'm saved. It's not just a word for them to use. It's a word for all followers of Christ, because anyone who's a follower of Christ has experienced salvation. You're saved. What it means to be saved, J.I. Packer in the resource book that we're using, basically describes it like this. He says, salvation is a word picture giving us the idea of rescue from jeopardy and misery into a state of safety. To be saved, literally, is to be delivered. For salvation is deliverance. So, to be saved is to be delivered into a new state. Martin Luther, when he's giving the description of the Apostles' Creed in the second area where we talk about, I believe in Jesus Christ, when he talks about the life of Jesus under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was raised. That explanation is giving us the description, he says, for how salvation came about, how we were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. In other words, delivered or saved. We're delivered from the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of sin, into the kingdom of Christ, into a state of safety. Salvation is being delivered into a state of safety. Salvation is here today because of an object, uh, objective event that happened thousands of years ago. Today, we do not celebrate salvation because of some notion that we got that something good is going to happen, but we celebrate salvation because of an event that took place in history. If you look at Acts chapter 4, the passage that we were reading earlier today, Acts chapter 4, some of Jesus' followers get put into jail, they're in trouble, but yet there's this time when, when they're freed and, and things are going great. And the explanation that, that the Peter gives regarding all of this is he goes back, if you look in Acts chapter 4, verse 8. So Peter stands up in verse 8 and he says, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, 
the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Peter points to a specific event in history, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our salvation or our deliverance into a state of safety takes place because of an event that happened in real time. That event that happened in that place in that time had implications for all of history. It's through that event, those series of events, his death and his resurrection, that salvation or deliverance is accomplished. So a physical event that happens has spiritual and physical results for all time. Because Peter points back and says, no, it was that event, it's because of that, that in the name of Jesus, this man is healed, this man is delivered. And then Peter goes on in verse 12 to say, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven among men by which we must be saved. So salvation comes through this man, Jesus, who lived and went and did an actual event in an actual place and an actual time. It took place at one time and it has effects for all of eternity, physically and also spiritually. And now if you'll turn with me to Ephesians 2, we get the picture of the spiritual results of the physical act that took place. Ephesians chapter 2, famous verses, probably all of us know them. Ephesians chapter 2 gives us the description of the state that we are in without Christ. If you look with me at Ephesians 2, we get the description of the state that we are in without Christ. Look with me at verse 1 in Ephesians 2. It says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. So that's, he's saying, you were all in this position at some point. You were dead in your sin, dead in trespasses, dead in wrongdoing. Now look with me down to verse 3. At the end of verse 3, it says, And we're by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. At one point in time, all of us are in a state of being under the wrath of God. Because we're dead in our sin. We're dead in our trespasses. So we're in a state, actually, of wrath. We're in a state where the coming punishment is wrath from God himself. This is the state that we are in when we are in our sin. But, but, how many times have I said this? The greatest word in scripture is but. Circle it, underlie in it. Ephesians right here, verse 4. So now we've just heard the state we were in was we were in a state of wrath. We were dead in our sins, but verse 4, but God, because he's loved us, rich in mercy, when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And so now we've been transitioned. We've been delivered from the state of wrath into a whole new state. And look what it says we've been transitioned to. Verse 6, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So spiritually right now, we are in Christ. We are in the heavenly places with Christ. That when God looks at us, he does not see us as children of wrath, but rather he sees us in Christ, seated with Jesus on the throne, covered by Jesus' perfections. We've been delivered from a state of wrath into a state of of safety and security because we're in Christ. That's salvation. Deliverance from one state to another. Deliverance from a kingdom of evil to a kingdom of love, to a kingdom of greatness. 
Salvation is deliverance into a state of safety. Everybody today is seeking a state of safety. Everybody is seeking protection. Everybody is seeking their own goodwill. The question is, where do we look for that safety? Where do we look for that goodwill? Sometimes we look to financial resources. Sometimes we look to sexuality. Sometimes we look to careers. We look in various places to deliver us from anxiety. We look to various places to deliver us from unrest. But there's only one thing that can deliver us, and it's Jesus himself because of the actual event he did, his death and his resurrection. When we talk about salvation, we need to understand that salvation is not an insurance policy. Salvation is not an insurance policy. An insurance policy is a great thing, right? You buy it, you can put it out of your mind, and what? You know that at some point you can cash it in. And you cash it in, usually your family cashes it in on your behalf. And so an insurance policy you're basically paying for right now, right? And the reward comes where? At the end. The reward really actually doesn't even come to you at the end. The reward comes to who? Your loved ones at the end. A lot of times though we think of salvation as an insurance policy. Okay, I've got my insurance that I know at the end everything's going to be okay for me. Now, salvation, that's true. Everything is going to be okay at the end. We can rest well in death because we're in a state of security. But salvation is in the present tense as well. Jesus says to Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to your household. Salvation is to be experienced today. We are actually delivered into a state of security the moment we are in Christ. Now the circumstances around us continue to be tough, continue to struggle, yet we're in a state of security because we're at rest in our identity as children of God because we're in a state of security. Salvation is for today. Salvation is not an insurance policy that I make payments on now so that I can get a reward at some point in the future. But salvation is given today and is to be experienced today. Jesus did not seek to abandon creation. Sometimes we take this mode that, hey, all we want to do is just get to heaven. We die, we get to heaven, creation doesn't really matter. No, God created earth. Now, sin has come and created a curse on earth, but Jesus still cares for his creation. That's why Jesus came to earth to identify with us and to begin to restore creation back to God's perfect design. That's, that's the process of salvation. That salvation is this deliverance of the whole creation back into this state of security, this state of safety. And salvation is not an insurance policy, but rather salvation is an everyday reality. Salvation is an everyday reality because we can live knowing that we can die in security, but we also live in security, knowing that we are loved by God, knowing that no matter what happens around us, we rest in our identity as children of God. We live in a state of security through salvation in Christ alone. Notice the final part of the non-negotiable is salvation in Christ alone. Scripture proclaims this throughout, and Acts chapter 4, verse 12 makes it the clearest. There is salvation in no other name. Our hope for security, our hope for safety, is not in some wild notion, but we have trust and faith in an objective truth, 
an objective person, Jesus the Christ. You know, some of you today are kind of excited. You're thinking today that, yes, oh, today's a great day, a brand new season to the Vikings. They can go to the Super Bowl this year. Some of you are living under a rock. You've got all of this excitement, and you believe it. And the reason you believe it, you've got nothing factual to base it on at all. You've got no history of success to base it on at all. But what? You just got this notion that now is the time. Something good's going to happen. When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our security, we do not base it on some emotional notion, but we base it upon a real person who did something in real time. He died, was crucified, and conquered death. He rose from the grave. It was a real event, a real person, and that's who we look to. That's who we trust. We do not trust some grand idea that at the end of time, everything's going to be all loving because that's the way it should be. That's a nice thought. That's a good thought. But there's no objective truth. There's no objective reality. We're pointing back to a real event, and we're looking to a real person who went through that event to give us confidence. That's where we place our trust. That's in whom we place our faith, because he went through it on our behalf and conquered death on our behalf. And today we can experience salvation because of our trust and faith in Christ alone. So what should we do? What's the practical application today? If we want to experience salvation today, what's the practical application today? PAT, our first PAT today is this. Be who you were rescued to be. This may, I don't know if this grammar is even right, but we're going to say it's right. Be who you were rescued to be. The whole Old Testament's theme is this. The whole Old Testament's theme is this. God rescues the nation of Israel, frees them, and then says, Be my people. And the people do what? They continue to wander. They continue to build idols. They continue to look to other nations for their security. They continue to look to other nations for their riches. And God says, Look back what I did. I saved you. Now be my people. He never says, Hey, Get it right so you can be my people again. They're already his people because he saved them. Today, you're God's people because of what God has done for you through Jesus Christ and your faith in him. You don't do something to get that, so it's time to be who you are. God's asking us today to be his people. We were not saved so that someday we can cash in a policy, but we were saved to be his people today, to let light shine in the midst of darkness. We were to be his people, that in the midst of world tragedy, we would set personal preference aside and say, we're going to pray for peace. We were created to be God's people, that when things go wrong, we're not going to say, woe is me, but we're going to say, today is the day that I rejoice and am glad in it, because Jesus is Lord. We are created to be God's people. It's very practical. Today is not a day to go and work off of a to-do list. Today is a day to be who you are. You are God's child. You are clothed to resemble Jesus Christ to the world. Ephesians chapter 2, 10, it says it. It says, this is what you were saved for, to do good works that, was, that you were created in advance to do in Christ Jesus. That's who you are. You are Christ's child here on earth. You are to be Christ 
to the world. You are saved for something. You are not just saved from the wrath of God, but you are saved to be the people of God. And it's time we are the people of God, that we be who we are created to be. You're created to be the image of Christ. The second practical application today is this. We need to prioritize people. Jesus says it in Luke chapter 19. He says what at the end when he finishes with Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus experiences salvation, Jesus says, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The lost is not a political agenda. The lost is not organizational structure. The lost is people. Jesus says, I came to seek people. People who are wandering aimlessly without a Savior. And if you and I take on the name of Christ, if we take the name of Christian, we're saying we're taking the name of Jesus, then we should be serious about what Jesus is serious about. And Jesus is what? In the people business. How many times have I said this? That's what the whole care card is all about. That Jesus is in the people business. We're in the people business. That every decision we make as a church is what? About reaching people. We need to prioritize people. Sometimes that means changing our schedule around so we can spend more time with people. Sometimes that means doing less programming as a church so we can spend more time with people. Everybody should be in one small group, one Bible study. You don't need to be in three Bible studies a week. You need to be with people. We need to prioritize people because that's what God cares and loves about. We need to be who we were created to be. We need to prioritize people. And then finally, we need to do what I don't example very well. We need to rest well. We don't rest well. Now, I'm not talking about laziness and afternoon naps. I'm just talking about living in a state of rest with anxiety gone, knowing that it's not about us, but it's about Jesus and his kingdom, knowing that we're loved no matter what. We don't rest very well as a culture. You know, people say, oh, our schedules are packed. It's just not true. It's just not true. Our schedules are packed, but they're packed with leisure. They're packed with um, fun. Now, that's just fine, but then we get done with all that leisure and all that fun, and we say, I'm just wiped. But your schedule's packed with leisure. It's because we're not able to rest well. It's because the leisure is actually our God. We're actually using the leisure to try and bring us happiness rather than just enjoying the leisure, rather than just enjoying the, the athletic events. We're using them to try and gain our happiness. But rather, we need to rest well in a secure state because we know our identity as children of God. We know we are loved in Christ. Some of us can't sleep very well because we're so stressed out about the next day or the next business decision or something going on in the family. That's not what Christ created us to be. Christ says in Matthew chapter 6, Do not worry. Do not worry about tomorrow, for today has enough worries of itself. We need to rest well, knowing that we've been delivered from what? The dominion of sin, the dominion of wrath. The worst thing that can happen to us is that all of our stuff can be taken and we can lose our life. 
That's the worst that can happen to us. It's actually not that bad when you look at what we have security in. We've got security in eternal hope through Christ alone. The worst that can happen is we can lose physical stuff, physical life, but then we've got the promise of the resurrection. We need to rest. Everybody, take a breath. Even after tonight, just a little word. Whatever happens tonight and whatever happens in the days ahead, just take a breath. At the end of the day, Jesus is still going to be Lord. We need to rest well. Breathe easy. We need to work hard. But even in the midst of work, we need to rest. Because of salvation, we can rest because we are in a state of security. And I know what some of you are thinking today. Maybe not you today, but many in our world are thinking, well, of course Zacchaeus needed salvation. Zacchaeus was a criminal. Zacchaeus wanted taxes. Anyone who wants taxes is a criminal, right? And Zacchaeus was not just taking some taxes. He was taking a lot of taxes. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Of course Zacchaeus needed Jesus to come, and Jesus needed saving. Yes, we need to reach out to that person who's in in the midst of prostitution. We need to reach out to that person who's stuck in that that drug addiction. Yes, they need saving. I'm pretty good. I, I don't need saving. I just need a little bit of Jesus to give me some security and maybe just a little bit of a hope and a little bit of purpose. No. We actually need rescuing just as bad as Zacchaeus. Because as Ephesians 2 tells us, that in our sin, we are dead and deserve the wrath of God. When God looks at us, He does not see the degree of sin, but He sees us as coming under His wrath due to our sinful life. He doesn't look at the specific sin. He does not give us a a grade, but rather we're either under the wrath of God because we're in sin, or we're in Christ in a state of security. All of us today need a rescue. We don't need a little moral improvement We need a rescue mission. And that's what Jesus Christ has done. He has died and then conquered death and He's now delivered us into a state of safety. And He's asking us and He's saying, trust in Me. And today, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can trust in Christ and live in a state of safety, a state of security. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Therefore, go and be who you were created to be. To be. Today is the day of salvation. Therefore, go and prioritize people. Today is the day of salvation. Go, therefore, and rest well, because Jesus Christ has done all the work on our behalf. Let us pray. Almighty God, we praise you. We thank you for the gift of salvation. God, so often we take it for granted. We forget the forgiveness that you've given to us. We, we forget the redemption, the regeneration. God, thank you. Thank, we praise you for delivering us from darkness. God, thank you for saving us from wrath. God, we praise you today. We lift up your name. We ask now, O oh Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you, O oh Lord, would clothe us to reflect your image to the world. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord, you would enable us to prioritize people. We pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit, O oh Lord, you would enable us to rest well. God, thank you for your peace. Thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen.